On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose, and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter stooped in and saw the empty tomb and marveled at what had happened. Uh, happy Easter. My name is David. I love being one of the pastors around here. I don't know what emotions start getting stirred up in you when, when this Easter story uh, comes about. Maybe it's all too familiar. It's been there. You've got brunch plans. That's what you're thinking about. Or, or, or is it, man, it's just, it's just another story or, or it feels so distant. What I love and what we're going to do this morning, we're just returning to a familiar story in Luke 24. And what I love about what Luke does is in that recounting in the verse 12 verses of verse 24, they don't actually see the risen Christ yet. In Luke's accounting, and what we're going to look at this morning, it is the first people Luke records to see Jesus are these two guys on a road to a small town seven miles away. And they're dejected and they're, and they're feeling sad and they're, they're missing what's right in front of them. Jesus stops and meets them along the way and, and they miss the Jesus that is right in front of them. And, and when I think of missing something right in front of us, uh, a few years back, this is two of my daughters preparing for an Easter egg hunt. And, and I don't know if your kids are like mine, where once that that line is released and, and they get to go seek out these Easter eggs, it's as if they have no clue where any of them are. They're like, Dad, where are the Easter eggs? Like they're literally right in front of you. They're all over the place. And then they return with their basket. I don't know if you're this parent as well. Your kid comes back with just a couple eggs in their Easter basket and you're a little frustrated because you wanted that competitive spirit to come out where they're just tackling kids and collecting all the eggs. But all those eggs are right in front of them, right before their eyes, and yet they can't seem to see them. What I love about the story we're going to read in Luke 24 this morning is that same reality. The one of the most obvious, glorious realities that is in right, in plain view, right in front of us and right in front of these guys, 
It's the person of Jesus who pursues us as we are, where we are, and he loves us enough not to leave us there. But all too often, we miss him because our circumstances and our misconceptions of who he is get in the way. And what I love about Luke telling us about these two guys, it it feels like the journey of faith that we're all on. Why does Luke tell us the first experience of Jesus presenting himself to these two guys. Why does he do that? Because I think he's trying to give us a window into the journey of faith we all take. So pray with me as we dig in to a little bit of this Easter story this morning. God, you're so good. Wherever we find ourselves on this spiritual journey, may we hear from you. And these two guys that you revealed yourself to, though you were right in front of them, they didn't quite see you based upon their circumstances and their misconceptions. Wherever we find ourselves on, may we be invited one step further in a life with you. Thank you, Jesus. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so I love a map. I don't know about you guys. I love a map of where we're headed. And, and there's a simplicity to this journey that Luke lays out for us. He, he talks about a meeting that takes place where they meet Jesus on the road and then Jesus has a message for them and then he shares a meal and then there's a momentum that comes from this encounter. And, and I love that it, it's, a, it's a journey probably much like ours. So Luke 24, 13 to 35, here we go. It starts with this meeting. That very day. What day? Every once in a while, I may ask a question, and it's not rhetorical. Sometimes it might be rhetorical, but I'd prefer an answer. So what day is this? This is Sunday. (laughs) Christians gather on Sundays 2,000 years later because we actually believe Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. That very day on Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And they're trying to figure out The Jesus they thought was going to triumph and and ride in and conquer Rome didn't happen the way they thought. And what are they feeling? They're feeling sad. They're feeling confused. They're they're trying to sort through the circumstances because they had hoped Jesus was the guy. And yet it didn't quite fit their perspective about how it was supposed to take place. And there was this feeling of disappointment and sadness they were filled with. That they're dwelling on the past of what was and what could have been. Do you look at your circumstances sometimes in life and think, God, what are you doing in my life? (laughs) Because it's not going the way I would want. This wouldn't be my preferred outcome. If, If I think through how I would have designed it, it wouldn't have drawn up this way. Maybe it's the desire to have kids and you don't have kids. Or or maybe you have kids and you wish you didn't have them. (laughs) Maybe there's a relationship that that just isn't working out the way that you are hoping. And it's, it's causing tension and anxiety. And it's just not how you wished it would be. Jesus meets these guys in their circumstances. They're filled with sadness and confusion. And that's where Jesus steps in. And they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus drew near, but they didn't recognize him. 
But their eyes were kept from recognizing him and, and they said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they still, looking sad, said to one another, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Though Jesus is present with them in their circumstances, they're failing to see that he's there. Though he's actually intimately involved and very present, they're missing him. I think of Wordle when I think of that. <laughs> you know when you're trying to solve one of those word puzzles and you're like, the word is right there. And I, I'm, I, I got the you right and I got a couple of the others, but, I, but what is it? And it's right in front of you. And then you got those other friends that just on the second word, they just solve the thing. Does that just frustrate you? Does anybody even play Wordle? No. Is that even a thing? Not even a thing. Thank you. Thank you, Gus. And I probably lost a bunch of you because you're going to be trying to solve whatever that last word is. <laughs> but there's that sense of it's right in front of us. And I think what I love about this recounting in Luke, they're reflecting us. They reflect us as we walk in ignorance and fail to realize the presence of Jesus in our every single day. Do we believe he's actually present walking with us, the risen Savior, every single day? Sometimes we call him luck or coincidence. It's interesting how people change the name Jesus to luck or coincidence. Do you actually believe the circumstances of your life are intimately designed as God is involved in these things? These two guys are reflecting us in their journey. And then Jesus doesn't leave them there. He steps into that moment, that conversation, and begins sharing with them. Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? Let us tell you, stranger, what's going on. And Jesus said to them, he leans in, what things? What, what, what has taken place? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned and death, to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. There were these misconceptions about what Jesus was going to come to do. That they had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And they're talking to the guy that actually just rose from the dead to redeem. But they had these misconceptions. And I think in our life, we also confront those misconceptions about who this Jesus guy is. For those guys... They thought Jesus would redeem Israel by establishing this political military kingdom. That Jesus was going to make their circumstances easy for the Jewish people. Broadly speaking, when I, when I think of the world and some of the misconceptions our world has about the person of Jesus, and, and this isn't anywhere, this is just through conversation, talking and interacting, feels like broadly a misconception is there, there is no God. Because how could a God allow bad things to happen in this life? You hear about babies dying in the NICU. These doctors are trying to bring these babies back to life. And yet this sweet, innocent life doesn't make it through. Why? How could God allow bad things to happen? My, my family member that maybe contracts a disease, I, I wanted more time. Why are you taking them from me? What, what did they do? They're good people. What, what did they do? 
And the brokenness and hurt that exists broadly, anxiety feels like it's through the roof. God, how would you allow, if you're really there, how would you allow bad things to happen? To which the reply to me is often, man, but where do you see good come from? Where's good stem from? How could a loving God allow bad things to happen? But, but what about the good in the world? Where, where, where's that come from? I think another misconception it feels like that, broadly speaking, we interact with is, and this guy Jesus that we read about is just one of the ways. You pick your poison, whatever you want. There's a few options. Jesus was good. He's kind of cool. Kind of came out with a new story, new, new thing called The Chosen. Kind of cool. Watched it. It's kind of one of the options. Is he the exclusive option? I think the misconception is he's just one of the ways. But growing up in the church, I think there's misconceptions that we, that I have. That, that, that it's not just broadly what others might be experiencing, but I think at the church there's misconceptions I have that when we treasure Jesus, we are forgiven and receive eternal life. Then what's supposed to happen? My life's easy, right? That we have confidence that God is just going to make our circumstances easy. I mean, I, mean, I treasure Jesus. What? Aren't I supposed to just have an easy life after that? Aren't all my pains and sorrows and challenges supposed to be alleviated? God, I, I, I accepted you in my life. You're supposed to deliver based upon my needs. And just like those two guys on the road to Emmaus, they're sad and dejected and confused because God isn't delivering the way they want. And they had misconceptions about who this Jesus guy was going to be. And then Jesus starts sharing with them this message. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see. And he said to them, in sweet, kind, whispering sweet nothings into his ear, would someone read that for me? This again would be the audience part to, to engage. Would someone read that for me? Yeah, say it one more time. <laughs> There's women, I think three women just putting your knuckleheads to shame out here. That was great. He said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. We have these misconceptions about who Jesus is, and he doesn't just softly dance, he presses in in that moment, in that moment declares, you foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And he starts unpacking who this Jesus guy was supposed to be, who he was. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There's a beauty of this, because this isn't a book, right? Sometimes we call it a book. It's actually a volume, Right? There's 66 books in this thing, all pointing to one reality, the reality we get to celebrate on Easter Sunday, the risen Savior. And he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning themselves or himself. And what starts to happen as that reality starts to take place? I think God's drawn people to himself all the time. 
What when you see a situation or a circumstance that you just can't fully explain and, and you start trying to understand it, I think people sense the presence of God in their life before that it, they can articulate it. That God is actually using these circumstances of our life. I love C.S. Lewis. He says, our challenging circumstances are God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. He's trying to draw us to himself and say, you have misconceptions and your circumstances are clouding your ability to hear and experience the person of Jesus. And then all great things happen where? Oh, oh so good. We're going to have, what are we having for, for lunch today? McDonald's. We're going big today. <laughs> We're going. And Casey always loves, this is one of the things sweet Casey loves. She always loves when I talk to her in the middle of a service. This is one of her favorite things. There's a meeting, and then there's a message, and then Jesus really reveals who he is in the intimacy of the meal. When he was at a table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it to them. And this feels like something that is lost in our culture, at least coming from California. We would click the garage door, up it would come, in the car would go, down the garage would come, and then we would sit with our large fences in the backyard. Here, I move here to Wisconsin, and there's no fences anywhere. You guys know that? It's like just open land everywhere. And what, what, can we just wander into each other's property? Is this how it works? There's a beauty and an intimacy that's taking place at this table. And when they were at table, we took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. I think of it like my kids when they walk in and they're screaming at me, Dad, where's my backpack? Where, where is it? I'm like, guys, it is literally right in front of you. Your backpack is right there, present, literally in front of you. To which Casey would often say the same thing about our dishes and trash. <laughs> David, it's literally right in front of you. I just, so I'm blind to it. I'm blind to it until Casey reveals and says, hey, there's an opportunity. And I recognize. <laughs> Opportunities abound. These men... Their eyes were opened and they recognized the person of Jesus present with them in their circumstances, in the midst of their misconceptions. And I love the language that Luke articulates about what's taking place. And he vanished from their sight and they said to one another, did our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? The simplicity. Man, in our busy world, in our busy life, we are so clouded to hear the simplicity of the message of the person of Jesus. We're, we're too busy chasing our aspirations and all the other activities that crowd our minds. And yet, did our hearts not burn when we actually encountered Jesus beyond whatever we might be confronted by? Because if you're anything like me, who do we usually care most about in this life? Ourselves. And yet Jesus' invitation is this. We will not have eyes to see Jesus until we've been displaced from the throne of our hearts. There's only room for one to sit in our hearts, the person of Jesus, and we fill it with so many other things. And yet the simplicity of what Jesus offered, he said, Man, you know, for the most part, we think we're good people, Right? We think we're good people. I pay my taxes on time, mostly on time. I'm a good person. I go to work, 
take care of my family. I'm a good, I'm a good person. And, and there's a God somewhere that has some role. And yet the reality is, do we believe there is a God who we have a severed relationship from? And that there is a brokenness and a sin that mars our life that has no ability to be reconciled apart from the person of Jesus who enters our life in the midst of our circumstances and demands a response to say, are you willing to allow me to be the highest priority in your life? That these other things no longer hold the same weight or sway in our lives. And Jesus reveals it and what happens? Their hearts burn inside. And they have to go share about it. Here's how Luke records it. Pick it up at verse 32. While they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together. I was talking to the lobby and someone was telling me about being a rock hound. You know what, you, you know what a rock hound is? You go look for rocks. <laughs> That's a fascinating thing, huh? Or it's like crystals or something like that, right? But, but couldn't, couldn't help but tell me. I'm a Vikings fan. I can't help but talk about the ongoing journey of the Vikings. And someday we will win a Super Bowl. They rose <laughs> that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And he appeared to Simon. The person of Jesus in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our misconceptions, is it Jesus Jesus that we want. There's a quote that hangs in our fireplace room. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And so this Easter season, I, as we head off to brunch plans or McDonald's, whatever might be on your menu, Easter egg hunts, what, what does this look like for us as we hear probably a familiar story of, of Jesus being risen, I hope there's the reality. What circumstances in your life might have you missing Jesus? What are the things right now that just feel so overwhelming that you can't see beyond and yet convinced Jesus is present with us? Calling and saying, do you find me satisfying above anything else this life has to offer? What are the disappointments that, that, that the past that just is confusing and unclear? That actually God is at work providing fulfillment in the midst of those. And the loneliness that might creep in. The, the desire or longing for relationship or the missing of someone who was close, does God's presence actually fill us in that moment? I'm convinced it does. Or the misconceptions that might be preventing us from seeing him clearly. Maybe I'm still expecting Jesus to deliver an easier life than what I'm experiencing. Or that he is just one of the options that exists. My hope this Easter season, that when we hear death to life, whatever might be waiting for us this afternoon, 
we get a fuller picture of the presence of Jesus in the midst of our circumstances, and it fills us with what? Joy. That it fills us and it burns in our hearts that Jesus is present, and we want to see him more clearly. Pray with me. Oh, God, you are so good. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Jesus, open our eyes. Our kids are down there hearing about different stories of how different objects are small, but then their eyes are open to see those objects. Jesus, open our eyes to see your work all around us. Whatever circumstance or pain we might be working through, that we are convinced you are present with us. Oh, Jesus, thank you for who you are and all that you've done. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen.